Yes, we begin today our eight days of prayer emphasis as a church family, and we are fixing our attention on prayer at the beginning of this year, as we have done for several years, because prayer is important, because the prayers of God's people are powerful. It is important for us as believers in Jesus Christ to be people of prayer. I was reading Charles Spurgeon this year, this week. Yeah, it was this year. I was reading Charles Spurgeon this week, and he said this about prayer, which I, I found uh, challenging. He says, he says, it is the smallest thing that can be expected of us. He's talking about believers in prayer. It is the smallest thing that can be expected of us that we should humbly ask for the favors that we need. And if we refuse to do so, if we refuse to pray, it is but right that the door of divine grace should be closed so long as men refuse to knock. Prayer is no hard requirement. It is the natural duty of a creature to its creator. The simplest homage which human need can, can pay to divine liberality. Those who refuse to render it may well expect that one of these days when in dire extremity they begin to bemoan their folly, they will hear a voice from their insulted God saying, I called and you refused. I stretched out my hands and, and no man regarded. Therefore, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear comes. But then he adds these words. To those who pray... Prayer is a most precious thing, for it is the channel by which priceless blessings come to them, the window through which their needs are supplied by a gracious God. Praise God. Yes, prayer is a precious thing. If you are a person of prayer, you know that prayer is a precious thing. And so I hope that each of us has considered how we might participate in prayer beginning today and each day over the next week through next Sunday and beyond, I trust. We've thought carefully, I trust. I, I hope that even now you're being challenged to, to make sure you spend time in prayer today and in the days of ha- ahead asking God to help, if, if it isn't already true of you, to begin a new habit of daily prayer, trusting God taking your needs to him, asking for his will to be done in your life. Which reminds me, when we pray, we do want to have our prayers answered, right? I mean, how silly a question. What's the point of prayer if we don't care whether we have our prayers answered, right? You, You pray because you want to have your prayers answered, right? That's why I pray. And I would hope that we all have the attitude which we hear in David's prayer in Psalm 54, 2, when he says, Oh God, hear my prayer. Give ear to the words of my mouth. It's a plea to God to hear and answer prayer. And I hope that's your plea this week. God, hear my prayer. Answer my prayer. Yes, in 2014, we want God to answer our prayers. And to that end, I want to address an issue that may often come to mind when we pray. And this could be a question that any of us may have asked at at various times during our walk with Christ. And that question is this. Sometimes we, we might ask this question, why aren't my prayers answered? 
Why aren't my prayers being answered? Or, or another way of putting that question is this way. What might be hindering my prayers? Or what could be stunting the growth of my prayer life? It is, it is certainly possible for your prayer life and my prayer life to be hindered. In fact, there are two Old Testament passages I'm going to share with you that I believe make that very clear, that it is possible to allow hindrances to take root in our lives that, that either keep us from praying or hinder our prayers and make our praying ineffective. Let's turn first to Psalm 66, Psalm 66 and verse 18. And we'll note in this passage and in the next passage a common theme. What is it that hinders our praying? Why why might God not answer our prayers? In Psalm 66 and verse 18, David calls out to God in prayer and recognizes that his prayers would be hindered. How, he says? Here's how. Psalm 66, verse 18. He says, If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. It's a short verse, so let me read it again. Okay, <laughs> If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. What does he mean? What's he talking about? What's iniquity? He's talking about sin. Now note the second passage, which is Isaiah 59. Isaiah 59 in verse 2. And if you'd rather not, you don't need to turn there. Just listen to it. Isaiah 59 in verse 2. But your iniquities, there's that word again, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. There is a fundamental truth that's made clear in those two passages, and here it is. Sin hinders a believer's praying. Proverbs 28.9 says it this way, If one turns away his ear from hearing the law, that's another way of saying disobeying God, disobeying God's word, if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Sin hinders a believer's praying. Or we could put this another way as we hear in James chapter 5 and verse 16 that obedience gives power to a believer's praying. Righteousness leads to effective praying. James 5.16 says, The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So we could simply say that unrighteousness or, or sinfulness hinders the believer's praying, and that righteousness or obedience to God empowers the believer's praying. I can just say that there's my message. You want me to quit now? Sin, sin hinders prayers, and obedience empowers prayers. That's it. But let's not stop there, okay? During the remainder of our time... Let's think about what these sins might look like in our lives that will hinder our praying so that we might deal with them, okay? Because God wants us to deal with our sins. 
that hinder our prayers. Because he, he wants to answer our prayers. You realize that, right? God loves to answer our prayers. But we serve a righteous and holy God who will not be offended by answering prayers from individuals who are not dealing with their sins. So let's not stop there. During, during the remainder of our time, let's think about what, what these sins might look like in our lives that will hinder our praying so that we might deal with these sins with humility before God for the sake of our prayers and consequently for the sake of our joy. So let's note first, I've chosen to start with this. Let's note first that there is a sin that hinders our praying and it looks like it's, it's this. It's a lack of faith. A lack of faith will hinder your prayers. We heard this not too long ago back when we studied in James chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7. If you want to look at it with me, James chapter 1 verses 5 through 7 where James says, and we know this passage, I think we know it fairly well. We've heard it many times. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. But, here's the warning, but let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. It's clear here to me, I trust it's clear to you that it's possible to pray and yet be praying faithless prayers. And those who pray faithless prayers cannot expect God to answer those prayers. And so that we're not confused here, let's understand that that praying with faith is not what some call it. Some call praying with faith, you name it and claim it, and God has to give it to you. If you believe in your heart, that if you name what you want, God has to give it to you. That's not praying with faith. Let's not be confused the prayer, prayer of faith is, is not believing with all your heart kind of praying that God will do whatever you ask and then he'll follow through if you just believe with everything you've got. That's not praying with faith. That's presuming on God. That's not praying with faith. So what is praying with faith? It's, it's praying with an understanding from God's word, and let's note that, that we find out who God is from God's word, Right? And so praying with faith, is it begins with an understanding from God's word about who God is, and it's a belief in who God is, and it's a trust in who God is. And as we go to him with requests, that we know that God is, is perfect and mighty and holy and just and righteous, and he will answer those prayers in a way that he sees fit, which is best, and righteous, right, and right. For one thing, Hebrews 11.6 says, says this, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. Right? So it's believe God's word about who God is. Believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. See, the prayer of faith is a prayer offered from something you know. And it's something you know from God's word. 
The prayer of faith is a prayer offered from knowledge. It's a prayer offered from understanding. It's a prayer offered from confidence in God's word. It's a belief in God's word. That God is faithful and true and just and righteous and all of God's answers to prayer are perfect and right and just. God doesn't make any mistakes when he answers your prayer differently than the way you prayed it. But pray with a heart filled with doubt, believing in your heart that God does not have your best interest at heart and your prayers will be hindered. God will not be pleased with a faithless prayer. The prayer without faith does not please God, and that's why this next hindrance to prayer is so destructive. Here's the next one. If you're taking note, it's, it's what I'm calling the neglect of God's word. The neglect of God's word. Proverbs 28 and verse 9 reminds us that if one turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. I read it earlier, right? There's a serious warning here to those who think they can neglect or even refuse to read and obey God's word and still pray and have God's answer for their prayers. We're making a mistake if we think, I don't need God's word, but God will answer my prayers. We're making a serious mistake if we think that. In fact, it's extreme, I would call it extreme hypocrisy to presume that God will answer your prayers while you are neglecting his word, the very word he gave you to help you know how to make decisions in this life, how to live, how to to speak, how to think, how to act, how to work, how to have a a marriage that honors God, how to raise children that that you've raised in a way that pleases God, how how to be the church, how to be Christian in a world that's gone crazy, right? I mean crazy by sin. It's extreme hypocrisy to presume that God will answer your prayers if you're neglecting the very word he gave you to to help you, to instruct you. The very word he gave you to instruct you in in what's necessary for life and godliness. Says Proverbs 15.8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. You can sacrifice, you can be a giver, you can be one who gives to your neighbors, you can be a give, a, a, one who gives to needy causes and who's always looking out for the needs of others, but neglect God's word and refuse to do what God's word says and God say, your sacrifices, your, all your good deeds, they're worthless. I want your obedience. Now, those who obey will be givers and those who serve to meet the needs of others, but let's not get them mixed up. Let's not get them out of order. Obey God's word. Be a person who seeks to please God by by reading his word and obeying and applying its truths to your lives. And when you pray, God will be pleased to answer. This is why not only do we emphasize the importance of prayer at the beginning of of the new year, but also the reading of God's word. I hope we will each embrace God's word anew, afresh this year, reading it daily informing our hearts with the truths of God's word, informing our desires, shaping our desires, and doing so for God's glory and doing so for our good, as well as for equipping us for God-honoring prayer. We need God's word so that we even know how to pray. Read and obey God's word if you want your prayers answered. And this leads us to another hindrance to our prayers. And that is, 
what I call selfish praying. Selfish praying. Again, not long ago during our study of James, we heard this in James chapter 4 and verse 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Now, this is a trap we can easily find ourselves in if we aren't reading and submitting to God's word. It really does go back to the reading and in submission to the obedience to God's word. Because the heart that is uninformed by God's word will only be informed by the world, will only be informed by our own corrupt hearts. I mean, without God's word cleansing us, informing us, teaching us, instructing us, convicting us of the things that we need to repent of and make right with God, without God's word, without obedience to his word, we're uninformed. We're ill-equipped. And, and we're going to fall back on what's natural. That's the you know, our old corrupt nature and on the world around us. But on the other hand, the believer that makes the source of wisdom for living God's, God's word, and you have a source, and God has given you his word for that, if you make your source for living his word, you will be one who is informed and led by God's word, and you will be led from praying selfish prayers. And you'll be led to praying the will of God and for the will of God. The believer who refuses, though, to, to, to pray informed by God's word can only be led to pray for selfish reasons, for selfish purposes. God is pleased to answer the prayers of believers who pray according to his will. I like, uh, like how uh, 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15 puts it for us, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Confidence, do you hear that? We have confidence if, we can have confidence if we pray according to God's will. And verse 15, and if we know, there's that confidence again, and if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Do not, be very careful, do not pray selfish prayers. And the way to guard yourself from praying selfishly is to make sure that you are equipped with the truth of the word. And that is, And that can only be happening daily. You might think, I'll just read the Bible once a week. That will inform my praying. It'll help. It would help even more if you'd read God's Word every day. <laughs> because, I mean, you watch TV every day? Maybe not. You read? You read other things than the Bible every day? Maybe not, but maybe some of you do. You go out and you work in the world where there are unbelievers who don't think like God's Word thinks, right? And God's, God's Word wants you to think. You're influenced by, maybe you have family members who are unbelievers and are giving you advice and trying to give you instruction for life. And, and you got all these competing sources of information that are not God's wisdom. That's why I argue you need God's Word every day. Unless you want me to come to your house and preach every day. But really, that's not what you need. You need God's Word. That sounds funny, doesn't it? But you really need God's Word. Selfish prayers. Confidence in prayer is only for those who pray according to God's Word and His will that's revealed there. How can you pray if you don't know how to pray? Informed by the very Word He gave you. Read God's Word. 
We have the example of Christ's own praying, which we were reminded of at the Lord's Supper this morning when Jesus says, Father, if, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You cannot say that Jesus was praying a selfish prayer. He said, here's what I'm thinking, but if that's not your will, your will be done. We might find ourselves praying for our own selfish wants and desires to be granted by God, but even Jesus did not do that. God in human flesh did not do that. The Apostle Paul warns believers in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. There's a reminder here, not only are, are we not to pray selfishly, but we're not to live selfishly. But do nothing, it says. Do nothing from selfish ambition. That means don't, don't live in a way that's selfish and don't pray in a way that's selfish. And yet there's another hindrance to prayer, which is what I'm calling unrepentant sin. Unrepentant sin. Again, I started with this thought, right? I mean, here's why, in general, here's why our prayers aren't answered, why we have ineffective praying if there's sin in our lives. But if we cling to sin, if we have unrepentant sin, we heard David from Psalm 66, 18 earlier say, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. What's he talking about? He's talking about clinging to a, you think about a sin that, that maybe you struggle with or maybe you're not too quick to get rid of. I would call that cherishing sin. Hanging on, just keeping, you know, I'm doing pretty good everywhere else, but this one I'm going to kind of keep around because I don't think it's all that bad. Yeah, it probably doesn't go with God's word, but I'm going to keep that one around. That's cherishing sin. David knew that to hold on to one's favorite sins or one's pet sins was to close the door on God's answers to his prayers. Uh, we heard this warning very clearly in, in Isaiah 59 two again earlier as well, but your iniquities have made a separation. Your iniquities, your sins have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear you. Now why is this? Well, it's because God is holy and God is righteous and God is just and will not bless the prayer of the one who will not turn from his sins. On the contrary, God will not allow us to enjoy our sins. It would be, in effect, allowing us to enjoy our sins if God were to say, yeah, I know you you just don't want to let go of that sin, but I'll answer these prayers anyway. God would be letting us think in the end that our sin would bring us only joy when in the end our sin will only bring us grief. And yet another hindrance to prayer is one's unwillingness to forgive others. Unwillingness to forgive others. In fact, we hear this in Mark chapter 11 and verse 25, which reminds us that if we have anything against anyone, our first duty is not prayer, it is to forgive from the heart. Listen to the passage, Mark eleven twenty-five. and whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you're going to go pray, if you're going to find your prayer closet at home, if you're going to find that quiet place when you go to pray, you better examine your heart because if there's somebody that you're not forgiving, whenever you stand praying, forgive, it says. 
If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. There's a reminder here that if you harbor, if you harbor anger against someone who's done you wrong or you believe has done you wrong, or if you have an unforgiving spirit towards someone or, or maybe a certain group of people, if you're holding something back and you refuse to forgive, God's Word reminds us that, that our, it's, it's like taking the wings off your prayers. An attitude of unforgiveness can be so deceptive. It can be so deadly to our prayer lives, to our whole spiritual life. Not only are we unlikely to receive answers to prayer when we pray with this unwillingness to forgive, but we may not even feel like praying. We likely won't feel like praying. If you have this anger in you that refuses to forgive, if you can grow in this anger and bitterness as you refuse to forgive someone who you feel has done you wrong, and it can make you feel like avoiding prayer, feeling like you can't pray. And if that happens to you, let it be a reminder to forgive, to examine your heart, to examine your relationships. Forgive the one who has wronged you for the sake of your joy, and for the sake of your prayers. Unwillingness to forgive others. Don't let it remain in your life. It will eat away your soul. And here's one more hindrance to our prayer life. And it's kind of generally generally speaking, I'll call it this. It's disharmony in the home. Disharmony in the home. Listen to 1 Peter 3.7. 1 Peter 3.7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, first of all, this is a serious reminder first to husbands that they are to be the spiritual leaders in the home. This is not to suggest, this is not to suggest that women are spiritually inferior at all, but that the husband has been given the responsibility by God to take the lead spiritually, and if he does not, he will answer to God. So there's a serious reminder to to you husbands and me as a husband, right, that we are given this responsibility. It's a great burden that we're going to answer to God for if we don't bear it. And one of the ways we husbands answer to God is when we allow our disharmony and discord to remain in the home, when that, when that harmony, that disharmony and discord is, is our fault. Because we've failed to love and show honor to, to our wife. God says that the wife, listen to this. This is really important. God says that the, the wife is an heir, a co-heir with the husband, of the grace of life. That is, God's forgiveness of sins, God's blessings on believers, co-heirs in Christ, which makes very clear for us, I think, that when it says that the wife is a weaker vessel here, that does not mean that she is weaker spiritually. It does not mean that she's weaker intellectually, but the point is that, that though she is weaker physically and some of those Sometimes that's really obvious, isn't it? Guys, your wife says, hey, could you help me carry in the groceries? All right, would you put that up there? You know, 
or whatever, or would you pick that up and carry? Guys, it's obvious, isn't it? And because of this, we might think that we might think, we might take this wrongly if we're not careful. She is not weaker spiritually. She is not weaker intellectually. But, but though she is weaker physically, she should be honored as a co-heir in Christ. And God's word makes clear that when we are harsh, when we are unloving, when we use our size to intimidate, because that can happen with our co-heir, our wife, we not only dishonor her, we dishonor God. We offend a holy God, and that will hinder our prayers. Now, the instruction here is specifically to husbands, but this is one of those truths that is generally applicable to all believers because this is what God's Word teaches. Listen to Ephesians 5, 22-24, which reminds us, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Listen, if wives won't obey God's word, what's that called? It's sin, right? So, And, and sin hinders what? Prayer. And then verse 25, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, if you don't love your wife, what is that called? Disobedience. What is that? Sin. What does sin do? Hinders prayer. Okay. And just so we don't leave anybody out, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. And I won't read it, but it also says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Okay. Got it all covered here. That's the whole family. What happens when we sin? What happens when we disobey? In the family, there's disharmony. There's disunity, right? There's this disharmony in the home that does what? It hinders our praying. And I trust, yes, that even youngsters can be prayer warriors. So husbands and wives, moms and dads, children, obey the Lord, honor the Lord, so that your prayers won't be hindered. My point is this, when it comes to our praying, we best deal with our sins. We best deal with our sins with humility before God and others, lest those prayers go unanswered by God. Lest God say, you've you got to deal with your sin first. Because disharmony in the home will hinder your prayers. And we've heard there are many other things that that will hinder our prayers that we need to be mindful of if we're going to honor God with our praying this week and in the days that come should the Lord tarry. If we're guilty of allowing any sins, any of these sins or other sins to hinder our praying, then the next prayer God wants to hear and will answer is the prayer that confesses one's sins. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Praise God. And then what should come next is obedience. We are to take steps of obedience to kill that sin. 
you think that's strong language? That's biblical language. <laughs> Becoming obedient to God's word, Romans 8.13 says we're to kill sin, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I mean, this is life and death. If you, if, if you live according to the flesh, in, in, order, in other words, to, you live to kind of fulfill your own fleshly, worldly, sinful desires, the ones separated from God's word, right, that should be informing us, and God's spirit. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, there it is, kill sin. If by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. There is joy. There is life. There is fellowship with God's people. There is fellowship in our families. And there is fellowship with God through prayer when we kill sin. When we take our sins seriously. And when we repent of our sins, and when we seek to put to death the deeds of the flesh, the body, our sinful desires, God will bless. And God will hear and answer your prayers. And his joy will be your joy. I trust that we will each give time every day this week to prayer during these next eight days, and may we keep praying throughout the year ahead. But let us also be aware of the sins that cancel our prayers. Let's be aware that there are hindrances to effective and fervent prayer, and let's each submit our lives to God anew today, that our obedient living might empower our praying that we might see God's perfect answers to our prayers and that we might each know the joy of the Lord as our strength. Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, we praise you, we thank you that you do hear our prayers, that you do promise to answer our prayers. God, I pray that you would help us to do the serious work of dealing with our sins that we would not allow sin to remain in our lives, that by the wisdom of the Word and walking in the Word with Christ, that we might flush out those things from our lives that would hinder our praying and, and bring bitterness and discontent. And God, help us to know your joy, the joy of harmonious relationships that are submitted to your Word and will the joy of answered prayer, the joy of fellowship with you. And God, I pray that you would make us a people of prayer. We've, we've, won, we've won the privilege of prayer through Christ. It is not ours, it is not ours gained because we are a righteous people, but, but we are privileged to pray through Christ because of what we just celebrated today, because of his sacrifice for our sins. And we praise you that we can pray. Now, Lord, help us, strengthen us, Give us power and strength and wisdom to deal with, with the sins that would hinder our praying so that we might know and see and, and, and experience the wonderful answers that you promised to give when we pray and walk in fellowship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.